This call is being recorded. Nice. All right. We're on the air. <laughs> we're on the air. Lindsay's cooking some ground beef and we're on the air. Uh, so for our new listeners, everyone, I'm Shannon and the other one's Lindsay. And we are Happier Hour podcast. Yep, Shannon's over in Kingston, Ontario at the moment, soon to be, well, May 1st, soon to be joining me in Victoria. Yes, uh, so excited. Over on the island. Yeah, so we both are up in Canada. I'm in Ontario. Lindsay's out in British Columbia, and I am headed that way. Um, So Happier Hour podcast is a positivity, wellness whatever you want it to be kind of podcast and uh we just want to shoot the shit about life yeah that sounds that sounds like good shit cool so i think what we're gonna do is we're gonna start each episode with a good news story so i i we do we'll do a little bit of background read a little bit up on a news story that's a little feel good and it can kind of be anything um we talked a little bit beforehand it can be local or uh somewhere around the world whatever we kind of want anything um because we hear too much negativity in the world and it would be so nice to just turn on a podcast listen to something really positive for a whole hour so that's going to be our plan is to just to talk about good shit yeah also open to suggestions though if we hear from you guys, <laughs> you guys want to talk about something that you heard in a news story let us know we're happy to chat about it absolutely uh, anything at all that you want to chat about let's chat if we have a listener i would be thrilled <laughs> yeah we're actually not doing this necessarily for you guys it's more for us so if we have a listener i'll be pretty stoked about it i know i agree so my good news story for this week, um, I ha- actually, it's kind of cool because I found something that is kind of um, has been seen a little bit negatively in the news lately, and I found a bright side, which I really like. Um, so uh, we all kind of heard about the U.S. government shutdown and, and that it significantly was negatively impacting a lot of national parks and a lot of wildlife, um, and park rangers were extremely frustrated um, because I guess uh, lots of people were just not being respectful, um, being out and kind of abusing uh, the national parks while there were fewer workers and all that. Um, And in particular, actually, we saw some uh, articles about Joshua Tree National Park, which is somewhere that Lindsay and I went. Um, Was it last year? Yeah, just last year. Yeah. Uh, Last year around this time, actually. I think this weekend. (laughs) I think it's this weekend. Last year. There you go. Yeah, it was. It was family day. It's family day weekend right now in Canada, um, which I was also saying to mom this weekend is a really cool uh, holiday that started in our lifetime, which I like. It's really wholesome, not tied to any religion, doesn't split anybody up or cause any, you know, everybody hates Valentine's Day or loves it or whatever. It's just family. Just spend time with your family and that's all you need to do. And weirdly enough, BC had a different family day. Um, only this year did they did they marry it with the rest of the provinces. Yeah, I, I'm glad that they did that. I just think, you know, just be with Canada. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, so this time last year we were at Joshua Tree National Park. It was beautiful. Um, and so there was a lot of damage there. And, and that was really heartbreaking to see um, just a year after we were there. Um, so a good news story among, amidst these tragedies um, comes in places where instead of taking advantage of the like lower numbers of park rangers that are monitoring, um, there were some places where people just kind of left it alone. And then um, the wildlife really flourished. 
So in Drake Beach in California, um, the absence of human interference actually allowed elephant seals to claim the environment for their nesting season. Um, there are over a hundred of them on the beach and the beach is now closed to people until April um, and dozens of newborn pups have arrived safely. And um, this is really great for the species apparently because they were hunted to nearly extinction in the late 19th century. So this is like a huge resurgence for the species. Um, so everybody's really excited about that. And I just thought that was really cool that in some places people were like taking advantage and being on the land and, and in the space too much and, and not being respectful of it. And in other places, people just kind of left and were extremely respectful of it by just kind of getting out of the way. And I thought that was really cool. Was it because it was closed or was it just people decided not to go there? People just didn't just didn't go, I guess, because there was no like, I guess, you know, people go to national parks and stuff when they're, you know, if they're going on vacation, they're going traveling, doing something. But because they were shut down, like, I guess lots of places people just said, like, oh, we're not supposed to be there because there's the shutdown. Hmm, interesting. That is good. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool and uh, kind of a bright side of of some of the crappier things that were happening in other places. Sure. Yeah. I don't know if this is true or not, but I, I I feel like it is true. I feel like I read this somewhere. Recently, we got snow here on the island, and we don't actually get snow ever. But I think <laughs> it's actually in Vancouver that um, with all the snow that they got in Vancouver, seals were actually sn throwing snowballs at each other. <laughs> <laughs> that would be otters. hilarious. It was otters. Sorry. That makes way more sense. Otters. That does sense. make way more sense than seals. <laughs> what a funny phenomenon that, that otters are throwing... Well, and, ha, that's Lindsay's dog, Charlie. Yeah, you'll um, hear some of Charlie throughout yeah. this podcast. So we both have a dog. There's Charlie and Finn. Um, I'm sure we'll, we, oh, we also have an Instagram. So you can follow us at Happier Hour Podcast. Uh, and I'm sure we'll post a picture of at least one, probably both of the dogs sometime soon. As soon as, because soon they will live in the same apartment. So yes. I think we'll definitely have pictures of the two of us and the two dogs. So exciting. Um, also, if you're a listener, you probably know who we are and have met our dogs. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. This will take off in 10 years from now. People are listening back. It's true, actually. I now listen to a really great podcast that I love um, called, and kind of my inspiration for getting into podcasts in general, um, called My Favorite Murder. And it's a true crime podcast, which isn't everybody's thing. And it's a comedy podcast, which definitely isn't everybody's thing. Um, but I really just like the two hosts of the podcast, and they just kind of shoot the shit, and they're really real, and they talk about mental health, and they're really just open and honest. Um, and that just gave me a really great like inspiration to to do something similar so and I oh yeah so that's the reason I started that story was because I now listen way back to the beginning um and they say some funny things in different episodes about regretting things that they've said in the past so here we are <laughs> well yeah. and so because we started doing this I also started listening to podcasts I never had before um, and I've been listening to This American Life, and it's been a really cool experience. Like, I, I really like their podcast, and I've really gotten into it. So, um, yeah, I definitely recommend podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> as, as brand new podcasters, highly recommend. Um, no, that's actually one I want to check out, though, too. And I think they go back, like, all the way to, like, 98 or something like that. So they've been doing this for quite some time. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is a long time. Yeah, yeah. so if you go back, I bet you maybe they say embarrassing things on their first episode. 
Yeah, and I think they do also like relive some episodes as well, where they'll bring back some of the stories and talk about them again. So, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah. So, do you have a good news story? I uh, not necessarily. I I did. I wanted to talk about this a little while ago, and I remember I sent this to you. Um, but I I don't exactly remember what the article was about, but um, how they in Canada they recently redid the the food guide. Right. Um, right. Yeah, and so before they split it all up by um, like meat and poultry and vegetables and fruit and dairy uh, and then grains. Right. And it just seemed and I then think- in like a pyramid. What was it? Fruit and veggies was the biggest. Yes. And then meat. No. I think it was just meat, but I, I think, I don't know if it's the vegans of the world and the vegetarians of the world that were like, well, this is, this seems really imbalanced because there's different ways that you can get protein. Right. Um, so I think that's kind of maybe where this all started, where they, they decided that, you know, we need to revisit this guide and, and what makes sense and not just group it like that. Right. Um, yeah. So it seems they've, they've regrouped everything. Um, one second. Uh, but I think what was I wanted to talk about in regards to this is just kind of healthy eating in general and how, you know, it's not necessarily, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm looking at the old food guide right now. Uh, it's not necessarily, so, sorry, was the old one on the bottom of the pyramid? Like most that you should get was it grains and like breads uh, and then, and then fruits, veggies, then dairy, then meat and poultry. Um, I'm not, you know what, Shannon, I'm not exactly sure to be completely honest. I'm, that's what I'm Googling. That's, I think that's it is. Right now. Okay. I know, for some reason, yeah. I, I typed this in, and I can't even find exactly what I'm looking for now. Um, oh, here we go. This is the new Canadian food guide. Mm. Okay, Char. <laughs> Hi, Char. Um, but basically, I think the mm. new Canadian food guide is just more about eating right and what feels good to you, and not necessarily about um, the pyramid anymore and sticking to, um, like – specific food groups like they're not they're kind of ending the food groups Um, right right it's more about just like finding balance with whole foods yes yeah exactly and understanding that like having a little bit of fat is still good in your diet you know and I think that's something that wasn't outlined in the old food guide yeah well and I think too not, not necessarily wasn't just not outlined in the old food guide but like people came to the idea and really clung to the idea that the things that were lower on the pyramid or, or hi, sorry, I guess higher on the pyramid things that you should have less of, if you could have as little as possible, it was the best. And that's not the case really. Like you should still have it, but just not as much as like as many vegetables as you eat. And and that's where people, where it was kind of going. Um, so it's really nice to see yeah. that kind of just yeah, balance and less of a focus on what belongs where and especially like strict numbers and amounts and things like that. Yeah. Well, and caught up in those things. It's it's so hard to put something out like that anyways, because you know, like everybody's body type is so different and everybody's body is so different and what, what they react to is so different. So it really is what makes sense for you personally. Like having a guide is definitely a, a good thing to recognize yeah. what's healthy, what's unhealthy. But um, yeah, I think definitely balance and understanding like what's what's good for you, what's true yeah. for you. Um, yeah, I agree. Something that, came, something that I listened to in the uh, This American Life podcast actually um, was this story about how MSG became 
um, something that people needed to avoid. Right. Actually, like, you know, MSG is like, I guess, not necessarily commonly found in Chinese food, but that's how it was written. And it was written like a long time ago. Right. It's funny, as you say that, I don't know much about MSG, and that's one of the, and I'm sure you're about to tell me it's a misconception, but that's one of the things I think about MSG, I immediately think of Chinese food. Yeah, and people people have thought about in the past, or people have always thought that MSG is really bad for you, and, and that it comes from Chinese food. Well, really, all this came about by a letter that a scientist wrote to the American Journal of Science or something like that, and there was no scientific evidence behind it. It was just from his own experience. This is how yeah. he felt. And he wrote in this letter and all of these other scientists came and said the same thing that, yes, you know, I felt the same things. Yeah, it must be this MSG. And at the time, like this was a while ago, I think it was in the 60s. And so it was actually coming off as pretty racist. And you see a lot of the the uh, news articles and the titles at the time were pretty racist against like people shouldn't be eating Chinese food, even right. though even though MSG is found in a lot of different foods. Um, but it was just interesting that it came to be through a letter, not even through any sort of scientific um, studies or anything like that. And it's something that's just totally stuck around in society is that MSG is bad for you. Yeah. Um, well, and to be honest with you, that's like, on, to be honest, that's basically everything. Like <laughs> there was no scientific study that said that gluten is bad for the like mass majority of people. And so many people think that like, gluten it, like going gluten free is a really good healthy idea like healthy dieting idea or that they need to be gluten free or that this indigestion problem they have is probably like like so based because of gluten and like there wasn't a specific study done on that there's like celiac disease and a couple other specific gluten intolerances and things like that but um there's a lot of other reasons uh and ways that people can have like um nutritional challenges and changes in their diet and things like that. Um, but so many of people's ideas and misconceptions are from just like some guy's idea one time, not like actual evidence or research or studies or things that are out in the news. Right. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. eh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, So this is another thing I, I wanted to bring up um, in just relation to food and healthy eating. Like our mom, um, Oh yeah, we're sisters. Yeah, we're sisters. I, mean, I don't know if we mentioned that. <laughs> um, I don't think so. Mom, um, actually, at one point, almost lost her voice, mm-hmm. and they couldn't figure out exactly what it was. And what they ended up well, um, she had damaged her vocal cords at one point, but then wasn't able to recover. Yeah, and what they told her was, they told her a couple different things. They said try a to cut out dairy, and so she tried cutting out dairy, and that was pretty helpful. But the other thing that they told it to stop doing is to stop eating meat um, because the meat that we eat, a lot of the meat here and even more in the States is it's injected with hormones. And so it was right. throwing off her hormones. And so that was just kind of throwing off everything in her body. And so it's, it's so interesting that also that that just came about at some point in her life. It's not like she was like that her whole life. Right. Right. So we're just also even how our body changes and even with you, Shannon, in your peanut allergy. Oh, yeah. So I grew up and I had a peanut allergy my whole life. Uh, Well, and I say my whole life. I first had an allergic reaction when I was two um, and then never really got tested again. And well, I got tested like mid, like when I was a child in childhood at some point, I think. And then again, now when I was like 20 and all of a sudden I wasn't allergic anymore. And now I eat nuts all the time, um, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, it is. It's crazy just that you're throughout your life, like your body can change. And that is why it's, again, it's so important to be in tune with your body and, and 
and really be aware of what's sitting well and what's not sitting well and, and, you know, and trying different things. Um, yeah, exactly. And at different points in your life and depending on what your lifestyle is and what your goals are and what your life situation is, like what you can and will eat is different. What your age is like literally everything. So it's, it's so hard to give specific numbers and it's so much easier to teach people about what balance means and what being healthy means and feels like. One of my friends um, in Vancouver, she works um, on this really cool program where uh, she actually goes into classrooms and she teaches kids um, about growing their own food. So I guess it's like an eight week program or something like that. So they learn about how, how to grow fruit and stuff like that. But then they learn about how to cook for themselves. And these kids are like eight, 10 years old. I love that. It is. It's really cool. And they learn about how to make healthy meals and things like that. And, you know, it's such a good skill to, to learn, A, and also to just be aware of what, what is good and what isn't good for your body. And yeah. so to have that, learn, learn that skill at such a young age, it's, yeah, it's really great. I'm glad that they're starting to do that more in schools. Yeah. Well, and I think like knowing where your food comes from is so important and like thinking about like food coming out of the ground and food that you grew and like being proud of that. And like kids are like invested in those kinds of like processes and seeing how things work and those kinds of projects. Like they would love that. And then like they're fascinated. And to be honest, like it, it, it is fascinating. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And um, oh, there's, oh, yeah, this is it's also really interesting. I'd say that, you know, in here in Victoria, everybody's about the local markets and everybody goes mm. and gets their vegetables from local markets. And even throughout the winter, um, a lot of the farmers have frozen some of their vegetables, like, um, like tomatoes and things like that. And you go to the, you go to the market still, and that's where you buy most of your veggies. Wow, um, that's cool. Yeah. And it's just, it's some, it's definitely more of the culture here than you, it would be in Ontario. Like I know there is a market that's in, in Ontario in, uh, in our hometown in Pickering. And I've been there with our, my mom before. Um, but here there's a market in a different, um, community every day of the week. So even if you can't go to the one in your community, there's going to be one, a different day of the week in one of the other neighborhoods. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's just so much more integrated into the community too. Right. Well, and you think like, so I used to work at like camps and stuff and we did the same thing. Like we had gardens and we taught kids about how to, how to garden and how to plant food and where food comes from and how to grow their own food. And then we would use it in their meals and talk about it at the mealtime that that was what was in their food that night. And it was really exciting for them. Yeah. And yeah, and those, those are the kinds of skills that stick with kids for the rest of their lives. Well, exactly. And just help them develop healthy eating habits and healthy cooking habits and healthy food relationships well into their, like later in their lives. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Sorry. Charlie's playing with the bone. That's what you keep hearing dropping in the background. So I'm going to throw that in the door. She's not going to be too happy about it. (laughs) I'm sure our listeners are going to love that we have squeaky toys and toys with bells. (laughs) <laughs> yeah the first one to go as soon as I'm doing something are the bones I hate the noise of the bones dropping on the ground yeah that would be annoying um so we also then are going to transition in the middle of our episode into kind of our main topic and our main topic is going to be like a mental health or wellness or positivity kind of topic um and we're just gonna kind of chat about it and see what comes of it uh and then you also like let us know what you think of some of the shit we're talking about Uh, Yeah. So for today's topic, we're going to talk about um, coping strategies, the good, the bad, the ugly, the things you've tried, the things you've loved, the things you've hated. Um, Yeah. So so I thought first, do you want to talk about like things that we've tried that we find are like the most effective consistently? Yeah. Yeah. So 
Um, my for like most effective, I just thought of like the few things that I do consistently. Um, so I do like some journaling pretty regularly. Um, and kind of just like, even if it's just like writing about my day, I find just like getting words onto paper or thoughts onto paper is really nice. Yeah, I'm a big journaler as well. Um, I, I don't journal necessarily every day, but I journal actually quite often. Um, and I, I find it super helpful just to help me process what's gone on in a day and, and how I feel about it. But I'll also journal on the same topic a couple of times. So I'll come back to that topic in a week and say, okay, well, how do I feel about it now that I processed it a little bit? Ooh, that's a that's a good habit to have. I I tend to not do that, and I like have a bad habit of if I look back on my stuff, I like don't like it, or like I am like, oh, that was a stupid way to think, <laughs> and I'm like harsh yeah, on myself. But not even like that. But the way the way that I think about it is, look how much I've progressed. Since, yeah, fair. Right, and that's that's what I find so healthy about it is that you know some of the thoughts that I had or some of the feelings that I had even just a week before they were just so raw and so and and so now that I've processed it a little bit more it's like okay now I've I've come to a better understanding about how I actually feel about it yeah like a little time later how how have things changed yeah but I have my journals from like a couple of years ago and every now and again I'll go and look at those and I think it's it's pretty interesting just to see how my um, thoughts have progressed about certain big, big issues or not necessarily issues, but big, big, bigger life changes or bigger life. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Well, and even just thinking about how I feel now about big life changes and and things that have happened in the past and how, you know, you come to find the, the meaning in it or whatever, but at the time it sucked or, you know, those kinds of things, it would be nice to be able to look back at your like real raw thoughts on that. Yeah. One of the yeah. other things I think for journaling is I, I have a, a I have a book that I have prompts in that I prompts that I just wrote myself. So I'm going to read you some of the prompts out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just so in case you want to journal about it or in case any of our listeners know want, want to journal about it. And it's just a good way for me to go to the notebook and not actually have to think too much about what I want to write about, but already have that topic there. I like that. Sorry. So are these the ones like you wrote the prompts in a blank notebook? Yeah. Okay. So some of the ones that I have here are, what is your number one goal for this year? Um, What are you grateful for? Are you content? What is your best memory of last year? What possession could you live without? Could you not live without? And can people change? So that's just like some of the ones that I have where it's like, I don't know, just nice to, nice to kind of think about some of those bigger things and reflect on, you know, what is making you happy and, and what are you grateful for and and that kind of a thing. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I actually started, um, like, I do something similar, and I have almost, like, um, mindfulness prompts, so I'm not even really journaling about anything in specific, or, like, really journaling, but I have, like, little activity sheets or something almost, so there's, like, six um, boxes and each box has an emotion in it. And like, I can make them kind of like more complex emotions, like, like proud and like, um, nervous and like not necessarily just happy, sad, whatever. Um, and then like in each box, I have to write something that has made me feel that way this week or some, something that makes me feel that way right now. Um, and so it's not like, I'm not journaling. I'm kind of just like writing a few sentences out, but it makes me like stop and be in the moment and think about my emotions and label some things and, and just like, think through some things which I really like for sure and sometimes I think you know you don't always have somebody to talk to at that moment especially if you live three hours away from my family well three time zones away sorry so I'm you know 
Sometimes yeah, I was going to say. o'clock at night, and I, I'm not able to call somebody in my family. So it's nice to be able to just get it out and communicate it. Because sometimes that's just what you need is just the opportunity to communicate and verbalize how you're feeling. And then yeah. you've gotten it out and you're not sitting with it and sitting in it. And, you know, it, it feels good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I like that. Um, another one that I have that I put as like really pretty effective and it's something that I actually got into more recently. Um, so I have pretty bad anxiety and I have for quite a while. Um, and, and meditation is something that people talk about a lot for anxiety and like calming, um, and same with deep breathing. And both of those are ones that I kind of just never really connected with in the past. It was kind of like felt very, almost fluffy to me. I was really into the cognitive behavioral therapy and like, okay, I want to like cognitively work on this and like think about the thoughts and like work through my anxiety. I don't want to like just try and be peaceful and sit quietly and breathe deeply. And I just like, it just never really like hit me. And more recently, I like kind of this last probably eight months to a year, I've been really, really clicking and connecting with meditation and mindfulness and deep breathing. That's good. And it is, it really does practice and time and it can be very frustrating, I think. Well, and I still suck at it. Like, it's just like, even just doing it, even if you're stuck at it each time, doing it on a regular basis feels really good. Yeah. And like um, I had listened to things like podcasts and other things that had said like TED Talks and stuff that were like showing studies about people who practice mindfulness and meditation who uh, that are happier and this and that and more successful and all these things. And I just was like, yeah, but what? I, how do I know when I'm really meditating? How do I know when I'm being mindful? How can I measure this? Like I just it never clicked with me. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's totally fair. We did when I was in. um uh, university. So I did a, my master's is in environmental education and communication. And I did that degree at Royal Roads University here in Victoria. It's a beautiful place. They have a castle. You should check it out. Yeah, it's a castle. Um, and one of the classes that we took, um, was called eco psychology. And it was really about, you know, connecting with the earth and making sure that you have processed a lot of your demons and that you're being able to bring in your best self into the world to be able to tackle some of those bigger world issues that we're facing. And so one of the things that we used to do as part of that class is we used to have um, a sit spot and your sit spot was in the middle of the forest somewhere. You you found it, it called to you and it really did. I was um, walking through the forest and I saw almost, it was like really dense bush. And then there was just this opening and so I walked through the opening and there was just this circle. Um, it's like, it was made for me. Really, it was just this like circle of, the, and I was surrounded by trees and bush and no one could see me from, from the path that I was on. Um, so it really did call to me. But anyways, my sit spot, um, for the three weeks that we were on campus, you went to your sit spot for an hour a day and you didn't bring music and you didn't bring your phone. You brought your journal, but you really did just sit mm. in that space. And I think, it wasn't necessarily, I'd say meditation, but it was definitely like meditative and you, it really was reflective and you really was so peaceful and you felt so connected to that spot. And I'm lucky because I live here now. And so I have the opportunity to go to that spot. And if something in my life is, is really crunchy or I'm having um, a hard time processing something, I'll go back to that spot and I'll sit there and I'll sit there for an hour and I find it to be so, so helpful. 
I love that you said when things in my life are crunchy. Never heard that term. Immediately wrote it down. Need to use I, that more I often. It. I use it yep. all the time. Love that. Second, okay, so it relates right back to when I was saying like the the strategy, the coping strategy, whatever you use, like it just needs to connect with you because as you're talking about finding a spot in the forest that calls to you, I'm literally saying like I, I had to hold myself from laughing when you were like, yeah, and it actually does call to you. But I'm, and again, I'm just not connecting with it. I just kind of like almost cracked up I'm like, what? Well, you're such a hippie. That's so funny. But then you started describing your place and. I use this practice of um, like a mindfulness activity that I use with some of my kids. So I'm a pediatric occupational therapist and I work with kids. Um, so some of my kids that experience anxiety challenges, um, we use this mindfulness activity and it's called my peaceful place. And you basically kind of close your eyes and you pretend to be in this place and you just kind of transport yourself and you think about all of your five senses and and how they are are responding to and 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 experiencing your peaceful place so you close your eyes and you just transport yourself there and you think about try to imagine five things that you can see around you in your peaceful place four things that you can hear in your peaceful place three things that you can feel on your body um two things that you can smell and one thing that you can taste um and the literally lens, like the actual place that in real life that you described, and you've never told me this story. Uh, I've never heard of this like sit spot that you have. And my peaceful place that I describe with my kids is so starkingly, I don't know if that's a word, so similar to what you're describing. It's haunting. Ooh, that is interesting. I'm going to show you it when you come here. Yeah. Like, okay. So when I, so now before I've ever seen it, listen to this, my peaceful place that I describe with my kids, I try to explain, um, that things that I can see are like some trees and some bushes around me, but it's a clearing, like kind of like a meadow. And I, I often joke to my kids that I don't really know what a meadow is, but I imagine it to be a small clearing of trees in a forest. Um, and then I usually say I can see the clouds moving slowly above me and like the clearing of the trees ahead. That's like a circle shape. Um, and then I talk about how I can feel, wait, no, I see, I hear like birds chirping and a breeze blowing in the trees. I do say that there's usually like a river, um, or like a stream or something. So I can hear some river, some water flowing. And then I say, I can like feel the grass on my body as I'm like sitting in the grass. And I can usually say, I feel like my clothing or my hair on my neck or something. And then the breeze against my skin. And then usually taste and, and smell. I talk about like, oh yeah, I can smell like the fresh green leaves and the flowers or like the breeze is really fresh. And then gum. I usually say that I have gum in my mouth in my peaceful place. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> because what do you taste really? Well, I was going to say though, while you're saying, while you're describing that, because my sit spot is so close to the ocean, you can really smell the salt from the ocean. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So Lynn, sometimes you should try and put yourself in this sit place, sit spot. Sit spot, yeah. Put yourself in this sit spot when you're like having a stressful moment at work or you're like in a stressful place. Like don't physically go there, but try that mindfulness activity and try to like put yourself there. Yeah, no, that is actually a pretty good idea. Wow, I love that. 
Yeah, that's really cool. And like, honestly, like that is meditation. I completely believe that you being in like, and I think that meditation and mindfulness are kind of, and maybe I'm completely wrong on this and not the expert, but maybe these are like kind of umbrella terms for like different ways of of thinking about what you're doing and and different ways of being in the moment, you know? I I completely agree. I think it's almost related back to what we were talking about with food, right? Like it's it's really what it means to you. Like you're not meditating anybody else and so there isn't necessarily a right and a wrong way to do it for each person right like it's going to be what works for you and I think that is definitely what it's about yeah yeah I have, no. I have a funny meditation story though actually <laughs> okay I'm down okay so what I'm gonna say I'll I'll just preface with um we have it saying on this uh, uber conference which is the app or the program that we're using to record our call for the couple months of podcasting that we're far away and uh, I know we named our podcast happier hour um but the free version of uber conference is only 40 minute recording or 45 minute recording. So this call ends in seven minutes and 10 seconds. So we're going to wrap up with a couple of funny stories of some coping strategies and things that we've tried that maybe didn't go so well or were hilarious or whatever. Uh, and then we will uh, sign off and see you next time. And, and you know, one day it will be happier hour. But yeah, now- maybe when we're rich. <laughs> right now we're very poor and figuring it out. But uh, currently we can't afford the whole hour of happier hour podcast. <laughs> but stay tuned one day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have seven minutes to share a couple of funny stories. I have I have one or two, too. Okay, so I'll, I'll do I'll do mine first. It's a pretty quick one. So uh, same program that I was in that um, that uh, master's program, environmental education and communication. Um, and one of the other classes that I was in was environmental ethics. And this this teacher was also pr- a pretty big hippie. And so we weren't on campus for this class. It was done online. Um, and at the beginning of each class, we would do a group medi- meditation through our Skype calls with our teacher. <laughs> group so medication, you almost be, said. Yeah, there'd be like eight of us on the call and our videos would be on and we'd be meditating as a group for like 15, 20 minutes at the beginning of every <laughs> call. And so I remember that I was living at home actually in Pickering at this time with, with our family <laughs> and I was sitting in the living room and I was meditating with my class and my dad had just got home from work. And he walks into the living room and he goes, what are you doing? Are you sleeping? <laughs> <laughs> and everybody on the call just started to burst out laughing. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> sleeping upright on the computer? <laughs> with your eyes open? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's really funny. Yeah. Okay. So I have just a couple stories of a couple other things that I've tried. So one uh, more recently uh, as a nice uh, little coping strategy slash girls weekend fun time, uh, we went axe throwing, uh, which was really fun. And I highly recommend it's a great stress reliever. It just feels so satisfying and you feel like such a badass when you get it in and it's just fun. Um, actually, though, it was funny when we went, um, they, they called us ahead of time and said, we just want you to know that our heat is off. So it's currently like, like, five degrees inside. <laughs> we're like, what? 
so like yeah you won't be taking your jackets off we're like okay so anyway we were wearing our jackets which is kind of just funny um so i went axe throwing uh and it was actually oddly enough after a recent breakup of mine so everyone was kind of jokey about that um but the they you they give you an instructor um and the instructor of course didn't know that that's everyone was joking that that was the reason that we were there was that shannon need to blow, needed to blow off some steam but he did he wasn't aware of that and so we were having a competition at the end of the like session um and so i was standing on one side and my mom was standing on the other side and we both have our axes up in the air like above our heads ready to throw and we're focusing and concentrating and the stakes are high and he looks over at me and he takes like a huge step back and he looks over at um, my aunt Catherine and goes I'm going to just step over here. That looks a little intense. <laughs> and everyone started dying laughing because everyone was just like, oh, yeah, that's that's uh, what we're here for. Yeah. Yeah, it was really funny. Uh, and then another one um, went the one time. Actually, I think it was on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. Did we go do hot yoga on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve? Uh, that sounds right. I'm not exactly sure. One of those. Anyway, um, I had never actually gone to a yoga class ever, period, um, let alone a hot yoga class. So I was like, yeah, okay, this is fun. Um, you convinced me to go because you had done it and really enjoyed it. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Went in and I just, uh, yoga, hot yoga is one of those things that I really uh, have discovered I do not connect well with because um, <laughs> I just got so many eyeballs full of sweat. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's not for everybody, and um, yeah, it's very sweaty. <laughs> so and, it's only for less sweaty folk. Well, and it, no, but that's the thing is I don't understand is there are people in there that like they don't even have a drop of sweat on them. Meanwhile, I don't. Yeah, I don't understand. Thing, and I'm like, how? Like, are you not drinking enough water in your life? Like, where is the sweat? Yeah. Well, and, and to be honest, it's not about how much I sweat. Like I am so fine being in a room full of people doing an exercise or doing yoga, whatever, and being full of sweat. I have no problem with that. It's just always in my eyeballs because in yoga, you're constantly changing head position. You're upside down, you're sideways, you're lying on your back, you're lying on your belly. And you're, the sweat is just circling your eyeballs the whole session. <laughs> yeah. So salty. And you know what, that actually, I remember that yoga studio and I remember a couple of times it was just so hot and sweaty in there that like the condensation from the roof was dripping and I'm like, oh my God, it's really gross. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm like, I didn't wear waterproof mascara. So like the, all the sweat in my eyeballs, I'm like rubbing my eyes. So I'm a fucking raccoon while I'm doing hot yoga and just, it was very stressful. I don't know if we're allowed to say the F word on the podcast. Oh, that's okay. Other podcasts do. We just oh. have to put it that it's not PG. Okay. That's a good thing to remember. Yeah. <laughs> and we can, I think we can also beep things if we would like it to be PG. Oh, nice. Okay, good. Yeah. Or I could just say F word instead of actually saying it. Well, I, sometimes it just flows naturally, you know? Well, actually, funny and you mentioned that this weekend on family day, we, uh, I spent the weekend with our parents up at the cottage and as a little sign off in our last minute, dad has announced to us that he spent many years of our lives protecting us from the swear words in this world. But lately he's decided to just fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> he decided to let us know this weekend that he's just going to swear in front of us these days. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Quick bit on dad. You'll hear lots about him because he, he he's really getting funny, to be honest. Oh, Steve is I don't know so if he funny. Was funny, but he's really getting funny. But he reminds me of Phil Dunphy from 
modern family. And I, I tell people that all the time because he really, he doesn't know how funny he is. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't know how funny he is and he does all those dopey things, but he also has this like businessman, high level intelligence aspect of him that makes the dopey things even funnier. Yeah. 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 yeah they're just great. All right. Well, that has been Happier 45 Minutes podcast. It's actually still going to be Happier Hour, but we apologize that you lost out on 15 minutes. Just think of happy things for 15 minutes and that will be like, it'll just fill in. All right. We'll see you later, folks. See you later.